What we've got here is failure to communicate. From sunny Southern California, we bring you Meet Bridget, a podcast for building confident communication and female badassery. We spotlight women who have bridged the gaps in their lives by building strong relationships and speaking their teenage dreams into reality. And recurring themes is always relationships. So we've kind of spent some time compiling frequently asked questions and I think today will just be like a fun, relaxed way to provide our two cents on what communication is like in different relationship settings. Hi, welcome back. This is Asha and Kashia. If you are new to the show, we are best friends and we work together on a platform for teen girls focused on developing confidence and communication, and that's called Bridget. This is our show, Meet Bridget, and today we are going to do a slightly different kind of episode. We wanted to have more of a relaxed conversational episode together talking about a few topics that our listeners have requested from us. So hi, Keish. How are you doing? Hi, Ashi. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining the show again. I'm really excited to do this because we get so many questions, especially from our younger audience, about things that they'd like to hear us talk about. And recurring themes is always relationships. So we've kind of spent some time compiling frequently asked questions and I think today will just be like a fun, relaxed way to provide our two cents on what communication is like in different relationship settings. Yeah. I think that when we talk about relationships, you know, we do groups into like personal relationships, like our friendships, romantic relationships, and then work relationships. And that when you put them in those categories, it does feel sound very, very distinct. Mm -hmm. But I think the reality of life is that sometimes some of those things like crossover mm -hmm. and you have a friend that's a work friend, but also a personal friend, or you met someone that you fell in love with that, you know, a work outing or something that life, life gets a little bit of more gray area. So we wanted to talk about any instances of that in our own lives and how we've kind of navigated that successfully or not. And then just some best practices that we've had when we um, establish relationships in all those categories. So I feel like one really obvious one is that like Kashia and I are best friends. Really, I think of her as like a sister. And we also work together on Bridget. We've been working together on Bridget forever. And mm -hmm. we definitely have developed different things, kind of unspoken ways of like, okay, are we in Bridget mode or are we in like friend mode? <laughs> and sometimes it's crossed over, you know, not as distinct as that. But yeah, I think it'd be fun to talk about just like our relationship and how we've been able to work together on something more professional but then also really like have a flourishing personal friendship as well. I completely agree. I think this is, well, I'd like to say that we're unique to the world. <laughs> because <laughs> we're millennials and that's. Yes. <laughs> but I, I think in a way we are and it's, it's, but it's not magic. I think it takes work and it takes a lot of the skills that we try to impart to the young girls that we've worked with over the years to make this relationship successful on both ends. So as a little background, Asha founded Bridget, I wanna say six years ago, seven years ago now, Asha? Yeah, and we were friends at the time, but our friendship really grew so much closer actually through working together on Bridget and just, you know, the constant connecting with each other and putting ideas down on paper and then bringing them to life. I think that's where we really figured out that our, hearts were so aligned and we naturally became best friends from that. 
but I ended up reaching out to Asha having seen her put something on her Instagram bio, I think. And at the time it was called Bridget Foundation because Bridget started out as a nonprofit. And for me, that was a big jump because Asha, if you haven't seen her in real life, is beautiful and glowing and just exudes this confidence that now I know is, you know, something she hones and works on every day. You know, a lot of it's natural, but it took me taking a step and just getting over my own insecurities to be like, oh, I really want to learn about what this is. It sounds like something I'd like to be a part of. It was, I feel like when I first looked at the landing page for Bridget, I knew it was going to be something tailored to young girls, which is a passion of my, you know, education. I'm an older sister. So I was just really interested in seeking out what she was working on. And that's how our friendship and relationship began. This is so funny to like hear because, um, and it just goes to show you how sometimes like our perception of ourselves and other people's perceptions of us can be so different because I remember a lot of in those early days, I was just like, okay, I'm desperate to start something. My heart is pulling me towards this direction. But, you know, I had never started a company before or a nonprofit and I was really just like, you know, putting something out there and hoping, you know, I, I felt like I was throwing spaghetti at a wall. So I literally, I vividly remember putting together this like website. It was the first website I ever built. And I was going to like use it as my vision board and just put it out there. So to me, I was like, I think it was like Christmas break because it was the only time I had with my like job to really like sit down and like think about this with a clear mind. And then to be reached out by Kashia, who I knew and respected, but we weren't super, super close friends at that stage. We were just like, just started to get to know each other. I was like, oh my gosh, a real woman wants to get involved with this thing. I'm like, to me, that made it real, you know? And it was something at that point that like, I was really just kind of doing on my own and like just trying to come up with ideas and get it going. And to me, that was such a gesture of faith in my vision. And it was so critical for me. So it's it's funny to hear Kashia's take on it, that it was like a leap of faith for her because it was very much a leap of faith for me. And reaching out to me was so, um, it was so pivotal in really mm -hmm. having this thing to have more momentum. So, and it's been that way at points throughout this whole pro through, uh, throughout the years afterwards, there have been several mm -hmm. moments where her presence and persistence and like calm faith in what we're doing has kept it going. So, so that's kind of like the start of like, <laughs> you know, a friendship that was also blossoming out of something professional. I think that it's much easier to form friends in a way when your your work is tied to something you're passionate about. Like I've had friends in work settings where I was just working at something really difficult or, you know, that I was interested in, but maybe not like it wasn't my heart in that work. And I, you know, I think it's a lot easier to have this kind of friendship come out of something that was like such deep passion. Yeah, I I completely agree. And I think I remember Rachel Pally talking about this in her interview with us as well in season one. She had a very, very close friend that she worked with for years. And I think I remember her saying like toward the start of the pandemic, they had to shift and it, it was a big deal not having her right hand person there. So some of these work slash friendship relationships, they really bleed into each other. And again, like her vision is very much aligned with something that she's passionate about and believes in. And I think those types of, you know, when you're working in that environment, like you said, it's a lot easier to continue to stay aligned. I do want to kind of bring it back though, because one of the things that this brings up for me is like 
curating the right friendships, you know, not that like you're angling to make specific types of friendships, if you will. Like I think friendships have to be organic, but I think part of having a successful friendship is like revisiting, you know, who you'd like to be around. And I think for me, I've been very deliberate in spending time with people that I really admire. And you're the perfect example of that. You're probably one of the peak examples of that, where you look for friends that not only share some of the same values, it doesn't have to be completely aligned. I mean, you don't want cookie cutter friendships where you're just agreeing with people all the time, but friends who, you know, exude a a similar type of respectfulness, sense of humor, like have life values that align with yours. And I think this is a prime example of it. And so when you start to fall into these friendships and work on developing them, one of the things is maintaining respect, which I think, you know, maybe we could talk about boundaries yeah. a little bit here. Like. Yeah. And I th- I think you you make a really good point. Like part of curating that circle of friends, like I think a lot of people have probably heard this at this point where it's like, you are the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with, which sounds intense, but really is just like, you know, surround yourself with people who there are attributes that you admire about them that, that you want to become more like in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. That involves sometimes cutting out some potential friendships or saying no to spending time with people who you're like, well, I like them, like we get along, but this and this and this, that I, the way I feel or like, you know, certain groups of friends where I'm like, gosh, I feel like every time we hang out, it's just gossip. Like it's just gossip. And really like, I don't want to be a gossiper, but when I find myself in these circles, I don't know what else to do and I want to relate to Mm -hmm. them. So I just, I do at least listen to the gossip, you know, and and that makes me feel icky. So I've had to like curate that or or limit it, not even be like, I'm going to be friends with those people, but be like, okay, like I'm going to spend time with them, but they're not going to be my closest friends where I'm like, I'm questioning if I'm having a crisis with Shia, like I've had life crises, you know, before. And I'm like, I don't know yeah. what to do about way. And I can be really vulnerable where like there are some friendships where I'm like, that's not the person to go crying to. Like they're great. Right, we can have fun right. together, but they're not the person I'm going to go crying to. You also never want to feel like the things that you share with somebody, like the most vulnerable things are things that are going to be, you know, farmed out to other yeah. friend groups as like, you know, something to talk about because those are moments. Exactly. Those are, those are moments of developing trust. Have you ever had to like end a friendship? Yeah, I have. I had a couple, a few incidences. One is a friendship that we just took a long hiatus and the other was a friendship that you just kind of naturally grew apart. And I think this happens over time. It's not personal at all, but life gets really busy, especially in the last two years, I think a lot of people can relate to this. Like everyone's circle has gotten intensely smaller just by the nature of the pandemic and by the nature of people being, you know, isolated um, and feeling more isolated. I think, you know, if I look at the last 10 years, I've had a situation where a friend was talking badly about me to somebody close to her and it kind of came out and came around. And Basically, I I had a friend who really wanted to spend a lot of time with me and she I love spending time with her, but she her personality was a little bit more reclusive than mine was and I think when I would try to bring her out into different friend groups so that, you know, we could all participate together and hopefully new friendships would be made and stuff, she was not the type of person that was outgoing. How would I say this, Ash? She she wasn't proactive about making friendships because she was so shy. Mm-hmm. And 
I am the type of person that will naturally go out and start conversations, even if I feel really uncomfortable, yeah. just because I know that that's the only way it's going to happen. And nine times out of 10, I feel really, really uncomfortable. I am a yeah. naturally shy person, but I think because of that, I've learned, okay, I have to put myself out there if I'm interested in making new friends. And it, it falls in line with my mantra of like, I would like to surround myself with people that I admire who have some characteristics I'd like to emulate and who have other characteristics who are quite different from mine that I'd like to learn yeah. from. Not everyone thinks like that. So, you know, she got her feelings really hurt because she felt like I wasn't giving her enough attention in this public setting. And perhaps, you know, it's hard that that part's subjective. Like maybe I was, maybe I wasn't. But then from that, a lot of other things came out like, well, I talked to this person and they said that you're really stuck up. And I'm like, well, I don't know that yeah. person. So I feel like that's a really unfair judgment. And that was really hard for me because that I consider this person to be somebody that I was really close to, but I really struggled with feeling like, well, if they're talking to this person about me that I don't know, this is probably not a singular event. And it felt really, I felt very uncomfortable with that. So I did have to say, you know, she apologized. We had a lot of talks about it, but I just said, I feel a little bit differently about this friendship now than I did previously. And I just love you and respect you, but need to take a step back. And that was really hard. Yeah. Well, what I feel like I can totally relate to this. I think that, I mean, you mentioned that you are naturally kind of a more introverted person. You've done a lot of work to be like, okay, this is how I overcome that. And I go into a setting and I'm going to talk to people. I'm going to reach out. So it's like this is kind of a battle that you've already faced personally. And it's like it is tempting sometimes when we make a friend and we're, we realize like, oh, like they're working on this thing that I had to work on. And then you want to help them through it, you know. But I think that when you're attempting to do that, if that person isn't responsive to like your efforts to help them, you have to draw a boundary somewhere where it's like, OK, well, I want to help you. But if if you're not receptive to my efforts to help and you're trying to pull me back to the place that you're in, like that's not productive for either of us. You know, like I had a friend yeah. in college and wh while I was in college, I was really um, struggling with a lot of like body insecurity and, you know, but was finding productive ways to pull myself out of insecurity or feeling really negative and was working through that. And I had a friend who approached me and she was going through some of the same things, but it was from, she was really still in a very, very negative place and would come to me with like, you know, I remember she like came into my room one time and asked me like, do you know any way to like quickly lose this weight or something? And I was like, A, no. B, I'm trying to get away from that kind of like mindset and behavior and really think of like healthy ways to live my life. And I was like, there were just repeat occurrences like this where I just had to hit a point. I'm like, I feel like this person is pulling me back to things I've really worked hard to get away from personally. And, and I, I can't, you know, I invested some time really trying to like help her, make her feel better or comfort her. And then I, I hit a point where I was just like, if I do any more of this, I'm moving backwards. Yeah. Which I think brings up a really good, like, this is kind of like step one, setting boundaries with people that you're close to in friendships. Like, it takes a lot. We're not saying this is easy, but I think when you hit these moments of conflict, like one, they hit you first. Like I think internally you feel like something shifted, doesn't feel right. You're like, okay, there's something that I need to address. And I think there are like, there's probably multiple types of people, but there are those who are not as afraid of conflict that will just say rapid fire, like this doesn't feel right. Like stop, let's talk about this. And then there's the other camp that 
internalizes that and holds on to it and, you know, might be thinking, do I want to bring this up? Do I not want to bring it up? Is it going to be uncomfortable? But either way, I think the first step is really acknowledging that there's that shift in comfort levels and getting to the space of being like, okay, how do I want to deal with this? And I think this is where the communication Mm -hmm. skills that we teach really come in handy because you can write it down on paper or you can journal about it or be like, this is why it makes me feel uncomfortable. But then the next step is the actual confrontation, that that critical conversation, if you will. Yeah. I I think that you and I have discussed this before that it's like, okay, in order to set boundaries with someone else, really it comes back to our relationship with ourself. It just set boundaries for other people. You basically have to set some boundaries with like yourself and what you will and will not tolerate. This is making me think a lot of like our bridge etymology on confidence and also some modules like yes. teaching that we've done on confidence that it's really about like trusting yourself is what that means. So it's like, okay, you, we think of confidence as this very external thing that people are perceiving it, but really it's like, it's a very internal relationship. But I, again, as another, another experience, like I've not had very many super close friendships that literally like ended we apart from yeah. each other. But there was one where something was misunderstood or said. And I remember I tried to reach out a few times towards the end and just like, I just want to gain some understanding on what happened here, you know, and if there's a misunderstanding, maybe I can clear it up. Even if that doesn't mean we're friends anymore, like I'd really like to just have some clarity maybe learn mm-hmm. from this if I really did do something wrong and there was zero communication back, which is everyone's prerogative. Like no one is obligated to yeah. communicate with anyone else, you know, and I, to this day, there's some mystery there about what happened with that friendship. But to me, I also, a boundary that I've set with myself, I'm like, okay, communication is fundamental for me. Like if I have a person in my mm-hmm. life who I trust and I'm close with and I'm putting myself on the line and being like, I want to communicate with you. I want to hear your perspective. I want to learn from this. And if there's no communication back, for me, there's no relationship without communication. So that was a boundary. And I was like, all right, I need to let go of this friendship because there's no line of communication anymore. This actually brings up such a good point. There is a friendship that I have where this person reaches out to me sometimes for advice. And it's a situation where they're in a similar, they're at a similar crux where they like are very passionate about trying to rekindle this relationship, but the other person has been very unresponsive. Every now and then the other person will kind of bite and be like, okay, this is how I feel. But then there's long periods without communication. And I, one of the things that I remember telling this person when they asked me what I thought about it, I've had personal experiences with this as well, is that you can't be a mind reader. You can't assume what the other person's thinking, experiencing, what they're going through, because there will be junctions in life where like if you put it in, like if you slip on those shoes and and you think of yourself being in that position, things happen, like tragedies happen, periods of time happen where you just don't have the bandwidth. You have to kind of really take a step back and think like, okay, have I had periods in my life where I can relate to being not available, completely absorbed by something else, whether it's personal, family, career-wise, what have you? Um, Have there been moments where you know, somebody could say I've dropped off the face of the planet because there's that radio silence. 
but in any of those cases, it's like nobody knows what's going on inside my head and vice versa. Like you can get to know somebody really well and understand what they may or may not be thinking. But ultimately at the end of the day with relationships and communication, that's just at a standstill. Like for me, like you can't try to mind read because you have no idea what the other person's going through. One. And two, I think it's just crazy making for yourself because then you're spending a lot of time hyping without, you know, And until you actually speak to that person, you just know. And I think that that is staying in that place of like, I don't know, is really hard for people. I think our brains are hardwired to have answers and solutions and to keep pursuing things that are important to us until we have answers to them. But I think that like, okay, you can't, if you're not communicating with someone, you can't understand fully what's going on, you know, but also like, okay, if you're unable to get through, I'm just thinking of people, I mean... I feel like I hear about this all the time on other podcasts and stuff, but it's like, oh, like say someone dumps you and you want to know why and you like, you know, you want to fix it or, or correct what they misunderstood or like, you yeah. know, and they're, you're just holding on. But it's like at, this, at the point where someone has already kind of like I made a decision about a relationship, it's like you're not going to change their mind by trying to like badger them or get them to respond to you or this or that it's like okay like sometimes relationships are going to come in and out of our lives and we won't always have like a and this and this and this are why that relationship didn't work it's not like our our relationships with people aren't like science experiments that have like hypothesis and this was a conclusion and here's the evidence and facts you know like that's just not how our relationships are so I think that I mean particularly for that one friendship that I mentioned it was it still is hard for me sometimes I think about that friendship I'm like God, like there are like great memories that come up and I'm like, I never figured out like what happened there. And it just like breaks me hard, yeah. you know, but like my brain wants to be like, it was this, it was this, you know, I, maybe yeah. it was when I said this and like, maybe she took it the wrong way or whatever. And you can just literally drive yourself crazy or I can just be like, you know yeah. what? She made a decision and that's fine. And, you know, and, and I, I don't have to harbor any negative feelings towards her, but I also don't have to harbor feelings about myself. I feel yeah. like I did everything yeah. I could try to make things right with her. I can keep moving forward and not have that guilt about that relationship for my life either. So I think that it's just like sitting in that place of like, nope, don't know. I, I don't know what happened there. And that's fine. Like I can leave it at that and still yeah. live a life that is productive and and full. I think too, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think people come in and out of our lives at different times. Mm -hmm. Different relationships are stronger during different seasons for what whatever reason. I know I just rhymed. That was (laughs) (laughs) and she is now um, moving into a place in her life where she's gonna be a rapper. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But um but you know, I, I think you make a really good point. Like not only can you continue to have relationships fluctuate in the ways that they're close or not close at different times, you can continue to live a full life. Those relationships might pop back mm-hmm. up. I think that there's nothing wrong with having periods or stretches of time where maybe you grow apart a little bit because both parties are living life and experiencing new things and growing as individuals. And then, you know, you guys come back together, you catch back up, you figure out where you're aligned or where you're not. Like there are just friendships that sort of wax and wane like that. And I think that, I mean, we talk about like social media and the impact of that too. I mean, there's obviously you know, that gets a bad rap, like all the comparison and stuff that can happen, especially with young girls looking at social media. But when it comes to like social media and seeing the lives of people that you've interacted with in the past or people you interact with on a daily basis, I think there is kind of a benefit to having 
social media, like I'm thinking about a high school friend who we were literally like everyday best friends at that point. And then we went off to college and we went to grad school and we got married and we both have kids now. And just recently she was in town and reached out and she was like, do you want to get lunch? And it was so fun. We got lunch and we were talking about all these old memories and just our lives now and everything. And it was just that. And it's like, we went to lunch and afterwards it's not like, okay, we're going to become best friends again. It was just like, no, we haven't really talked to each other since, but it was really enjoyable to just be yeah. like, wow, we were really impactful in each other's lives at that time. And it's fun. It's fun to still see, like I've been able to see pictures of her baby on Instagram and it's fun for me. But even though I don't, I don't need to keep like an everyday relationship with her, I can still like, yeah. that adds fullness, you know, to life, even though this isn't like every friend of mine doesn't need to be like a everyday best friend I think there's there's different like levels of, yeah. of friendship and interaction for different friendships I think there's something really joyous too about um just appreciating every single person in your life and the experiences that you've gone through and removing the pressure of they need to write me every day or I need to write them every day or I need to comment on this picture or did they reshare this when I tagged them kind of thing because life happens at such an extraordinary speed online right now that I, I think it's really unfair to have the expectation that one person is able to keep up with every relationship that they have. Mm -hmm. I think um, especially like you make such a great great point about social media. A lot of us have like hundreds thousands of friends on social media. Like it is physically impossible yeah. and it would be extraordinarily unhealthy to expect yourself Even to have like or another person. Good close friends. Yeah. Honestly. Like that's a lot. It's just impossible. Yeah. Like we we have a fairly big group of friends that I would consider like my good friends. And I generally know like what's going on in their lives, you know, at any given time. But I think the beauty of these friendships and why they work on such a mature level is that nobody has the expectation, you know, outside of like, you know, being respectful, of course, like if somebody reaches out to you directly, like I'm not saying don't yeah. respond, but, but like we get it, like life yeah. gets busy. Everybody has jobs, families, like there's a natural flow and order to yeah. things that I think just removing that pressure off of yourself and just saying like, I have to maintain and, you know, make sure I'm healthy, yeah. make sure like if you have a significant other that that relationship's really healthy, like your immediate family. And then you start kind of like branching out yeah. from there. But like, don't put so much pressure on your, like if, if Asha's busy, like, or if I don't hear from her for like 24, 48 hours, like it's probably because she has a newborn <laughs> and a toddler. Yeah. <laughs> and no, a and I think that that's really liberating for friendships. I think a lot of our girls ask about like, you know, the transitions between like high school and then college and then after college. And like, how do you keep, how do friends change through then? Like, how do you make new friends? And I think one of the things that I've observed about my lasting friendships, like friendships that have carried through life phases is just that, that, that level of like trust and respect where I feel like when I think back to like high school relationships, what was different was like, oh my God, she didn't answer my call or she didn't sit with me at lunch yes. today. Our friendship is over. Oh my, did she hear, is there going about that? <laughs> like, like, everything is like such high stakes and like, okay, if one thing happens or we don't get ready for this dance together, then like we're not friends anymore. That these, as you kind of transition into more adult relationships, it's like we, you, there's an understanding with your, your friends that you really trust and respect that it's like, 
You have yes. life going on. You have a likely a career, some romantic relationships, maybe kids and family things going on. You have other friends. You have big events in your life. Like we don't live in the same place. Like a lot of big boundaries yeah. start. Actually, there's boundaries we create with our friends, but yeah. there's also boundaries that like our life boundaries that keep us from being able to really actively invest in our friendships. And I feel like the time that you do dedicate to fostering friendships as we get older, like when I have a friend reach out to me and ask to go to lunch with me or, you know, even have a 30 minute phone call if we live in different places or something, I'm like, mm -hmm. they're taking time, which I know is valuable to foster a relationship with me. And I respect that, you know, and I appreciate it. And I think that vice versa, you know, we respect each other's time, but we also mm -hmm. trust that there's like stuff happens like it's so liberating to yeah. like because she had texted me we've been trying to find time to do this because I have a, a newborn that's you know breastfeeding every two and a half hours the freedom that she's given me she's like don't worry about it like if something comes up we can change it like I know you have your hands full and I'm like she sees me <laughs> you know but vice versa too it's like you're you're equally as graceful where it's like okay i need two minutes because i've been working on this email since 8 a.m and it's now yeah. one <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like life happens and it's like these are all like i i love my closest friends for all these other things that they're doing and it yeah. makes me respect them and admire them even more and i think you made like okay so this is like my favorite thing is like bringing this all back full circle like confidence like trusting in yourself first to make the right decisions, but also having confidence in your friendships. I think, well, in any relationship, really, you know, having confidence in one, the fact that you can present yourself as you are. I think that is the first part of a recipe for a good friendship. Like, you know, any, any friendship, any relationship that's built on false pretenses, I, I, don't believe it's going to ever work out because eventually like the cracks will start to come out and things will crumble. But if you show up with confidence in who you are and what you bring to the table, like that's step one for a, you know, a great relationship of any kind. And then, like you said, like having confidence, being able to trust that the relationships and bonds we build with people aren't going to shatter just because, you know, sorry, I can't get back to you for 48 hours. And, you know, being able to establish that is also something that you have to work on, just like you work on being confident in yourself, like you work on being confident in your friendships. And I think that's how those relationships ultimately flourish. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like you feel when a friend has faith in you. Like if I say, I'm so sorry, I didn't get back to you. I was little, I've literally been like so underslept, you know? And if like I, I get the response like, it's okay, you know? Or like, oh, you let me know. We talked about this. We knew it was going to be fine or whatever it is. Or like, I failed in this way or I need you or whatever it is. Like when you get that, you can feel when a friend trusts you, you know, and has a friendship beyond what little hiccups happen in life on either end. Like you feel that in a deeper level. And I think that requires honest communication. Like I think there's a level of vulnerability that you have to offer where, and it, I'm not saying like, okay, you have to tell this person, oh my God, today I'm on my period. And it was like, really, <laughs> no, no, we do that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, we, we do do that. But like in, in applying this, not just to friendships, but like relationships as well, or, you know, work, professional friendships, romantic relationships, like we're not saying be so vulnerable that you don't have anything left in your own tank. Like it's up to you how much you want to share or not share. But I do think, and I think you feel the same way, regardless of the level of what you're sharing, I just think it has to be mm -hmm. honest. And as long as you're honest and 
open and transparent and you're not trying to like re-angle like, how do I do, how do I say this so I'm not hurting their feelings? Well, the first step is like, okay, this is the information as it's true. And then you go from there. Yeah. I think that that was, I think, I, I feel like this is a great little transition into kind of like work relationships. But I think one big learning that I had through multiple different jobs was I used to think that the way that you build respect is to achieve everything flawlessly you know, and to overachieve and to do more than what people think you can do. And what I experienced from attempting to do that is not only you fail at trying to do everything perfectly and on your own, but then you also like in trying to do things that way, people aren't clear on what you're needing or your capabilities or how you're feeling. Then they also, it's almost like over-promising yeah. and under-delivering. And then you actually end up losing respect that way by being kind of a recluse. But I actually, I feel like ways that I've gained professional respect is when I've been able to be like, listen, like I am yeah. slammed right now, or I am having the biggest problem, like trying to crack this nut and solve this issue or get my head around something. Like, can you help me? Or like, I want to get on that project with you, but like, I got to start it next week because I really, my attention is on this thing right now and being open like that, or, or you work on a group project and something goes wrong and it was my fault. And it's like, listen, I take full responsibility mm -hmm. for this. Or someone I hired made a mistake and it's like, that is on me because I should have showed them how to do this. Like taking a responsibility, but also being like being honest, <laughs> you know, especially in the workplace, it doesn't make you look it yeah, having accountability goes a long, long way. Yes, because people are not perfect. There's there's no way to do any job yes. flawlessly. It's just not. Even like the best surgeons, the best doctors, like people are human. You mm -hmm. know, we have flaws and that's actually our flaws are our gifts in a way. Because when you were telling this story, I was just thinking about how well I relate to this because I think we're both natural born people pleasers. Yes, 100%. <laughs> A lot of people are. There's nothing wrong yeah. with it. I think... Um, People pleasers are naturally givers. They want to like service you know, industries be of service. Yes. And um, not that it's a bad thing, but you have, again, you have to create boundaries within yourself because your relationship with self is primary. Like if you're not in or aligned with who you are, it's just not going to work out. But I was like laughing thinking about this because I remember being younger and being in situations where I'm either in friend groups or in a professional setting. And your first instinct is to do everything, like you said, perfectly. Like you want to do it to the T. You want to follow your handbook. You want everyone to see or like your superiors to see like, oh, she's doing this right and it's book. And then somebody like very creative minded will like come along and do it the complete opposite way and get like a ton of praise. And I remember these situations happening and being like, oh, wait, like maybe just adhering to structure that I think is the perfect structure isn't like the one size fits all isn't the right way to do it all the time like maybe I can be authentic and show more of my personality and still be praised and lauded for doing a great job like this other person who just comes in and like throws the handbook to yeah. the wind and like you know it's really really interesting so um, I was just laughing thinking about that because like inevitably like in life, there's always going to be somebody who does things quite differently yeah. or thinks quite differently from you and they come in you're like, it's, it's like a like slap yeah. on the head reminder like, oh, there's, you know, lots of different ways to be successful or lots of different pathways to get to the same door yeah. or whatever. Well, and I think that we can sometimes think that like to be brave, like the bravest people are the ones that are individuals and independent doing it on their own, you know. 
and being a leader that way that it's like, I actually think there's so much more bravery involved in like taking an alternative approach or like voicing a concern about something that you're not sure about or bringing in another person to help you team up with you. I think that that takes almost a lot more bravery because it's the risk of failure seems maybe higher than to someone that it's like, this is like the organized way I'm going to forge forth without involving anyone else, you know, then it's all on me. It's like striking that balance between like autonomy and collaboration. It's like you want to be able to trust that you can figure things out and like maybe branch out and try and do things. Like like when we started Bridget or started the podcast, it was like we learned how to do everything on our own, which was really great and very commendable. But then we also like hit a point where we had to be real and say, where do we want to outsource and bring on team members in order to like really grow and flourish? Like collaboration is really key to success in a lot of different situations. And then you have to remove your ego from it. Well, I think going back to that like relationship and boundaries with yourself, that takes a lot of self-awareness where it's like, okay, I can figure out how to do this and this and this. Like we could save money doing this and this and doing everything ourselves. But what am I good at and fast at? And what am I just like not good at? And like, what things do I need to learn that will, that like I, I have a proclivity towards it and I need to be doing, or what are some things that like yeah. I'm not good at? And I, it's not the highest and best use of my time or the best, you know, product yeah. in the end for the company it, by me doing it and cutting those things out. And, like that's yeah. okay. <laughs> and how do you like, you can bring on people that really shine in those spaces too. And you can really celebrate having like a team member. And I think this is really important too, having people that you can cheer on in any any type of relationship, whether it's your friends, your family, somebody that you hire, somebody that you're working with, like, especially for women. And I think a couple of our guests have actually talked about this. Like, is this like unspoken pressure of like, you have to be cutthroat, you have to be successful, you have to like forge your own path and do it on your own. And I think like we're moving into a time and space now where we can afford to take a step back and be like, no, I'm going to lift like my, you know, peers up because their successes ultimately drive everything forward. Like myself included, yourself included. I think, I mean, there was a question from our listeners about like creating like new friendships at work and reaching out to new people, whether it's a mentor or a peer or someone below or above you. I think that a going along with this idea of like lifting other people up is like, well, instead of thinking about like, I'm going new friends to help me feel better here at work. I think when you show up, I think that it can actually be so much more productive and you can really form more, more connections by looking around you and being like, okay, like where can I who am I relying on? Who is someone that's already helping me? How can I express appreciation for people? Because I think that that sets a really strong foundation for new relationships at work where, you know, and it doesn't take much, you know, it's like reaching out to someone like, okay, I'm interacting with this person that works in operations or whatever every day. And just like when you hop on before you're giving them a task or working with them on something being like, you're really good at your job. And I just want you to know, I so appreciate you being here, especially because I'm new. You're so helpful to me three seconds of appreciation and suddenly you have a foundation that's like a a friendship, you know, a work friendship that might have its boundaries and limits and it might be very, very professional, but expressing appreciation for people who are, you know, helping you get comfortable in a job or admiration, you know, someone that you don't know yet in work, but you really want to learn from or, or have mentor you or something just being like, wow, I am so impressed by your career. I'm so interested in how you got from here to there. And I I just want to tell you, I'm really grateful to be working here at your company. And if you have time for coffee anytime, I'd love to take you to coffee and ask you about a couple things. 
you know, and it's just like expressing appreciation, admiration, any, anything really positive. People don't always get that in the workplace. And gratitude and follow-up after too. Yeah. I mean, I think you told me before, like after an interview, you sent them a thank you card that was like, had just a couple details on it about like what was really helpful for you, what you really enjoyed and what you were looking forward to. And I just thought that that was brilliant because anytime you can have somebody that takes the time to just be that much more thoughtful, it really, it speaks highly to their work ethic and what they're going to end up doing later on. I also, this I wanted to add at this point, like both you and I have been employees and employers of people. And one of the things that I think there's one specific situation that comes to mind where listening and taking a moment to look at the people that you're working with, their qualities and express that appreciation you said is so useful. I I have had somebody that's worked for me before just say like, you know, I, I do check-ins with my employees, like how are you feeling? Like, is what can I do to help kind of thing? But then also being ready for those answers and not having the ego involved in it. Because every now and then I'll get somebody that's like, well, you know, I really, you know, I'm feeling like I need more positive feedback, like not just like the criticism. And I think that was really important for me to hear and important to remember because bringing myself back to being in that position where you're trying to please the people that you work for of course, there's always going to be constructive criticism. On the other side, like you should have confidence in what you do and the people that you work for should definitely say like, you know, doing great in these regards, like A, B, and C are going really well. Like there should always be balance. And I think whether you're the employer or the employee, like it's fair to say that that's the case across the board. Yeah. And I think that when you're expressing constructive criticism, I found when I got constructive criticism from people who who phrased it in a way that was, um, I remember someone gave me some feedback and instead of being like, you need, like they did say like, you're doing this, this and as well, but you really need to work on this. Like you failed a couple times in this where that could be just devastating for someone, you know, yeah. but then it was, it was paired with, I'm giving you this feedback because I think you have incredible potential in this area. And if you master yeah. these things, you're going to be unstoppable. And I think that when someone tells you that, it's like, well, thank you for telling me that. I want to be unstoppable in that. And it's motivating, you know, and it completely reframes how you can you can take some potentially really like hard feedback for someone to get. But it's like, oh, but faith in me. And that's why she's telling me these things. Like she wants me to be better. It's not that she's just pissed off that I'm not doing the right things, you know? Yeah. So these are just kind of like little scenarios from from the workplace. But I think that work relationships are friendships and they are complicated and there can be some gray areas and stuff. One of the other um, points that we had was about like how things at work can get a little like murky. Mm-hmm. One point was about like, working and like being in your workplace while something in your personal life is like blowing up, whether like you have a relationship, like maybe you just gotten broken up with or a family member is having some kind of hard time or you're experiencing loss or grief. Keish, have you been in situations at work where you're like, I want to be anywhere but here and I'm having a really hard time focusing and how have you been able to kind of navigate that? A hundred percent. And I've had, there are two different scenarios too. Things happen in life all the time. Um, Two particular like tragedies in my family happen at two different junctions in life at two different jobs. And the first one was at a job that I ultimately ended up leaving. I mean, they, at the time I really liked where I worked. I liked what I did. I liked the people that I worked with. 
But when this particular thing happened, I remember being very transparent, which takes a lot of practice, but I was able to sit down and say, hey, this happened. I had a family member pass away. It was very tragic. I need a little bit of time to take a step back, like, you know, a day or two. And um, and that was all fine. But then later on was met with like repercussions for taking time off, like change in attitude, a little bit of what what we call lateral violence, where it's kind of like that passive aggressiveness from management or staff, like that makes you feel guilty for something you're entitled to. And then I also had a boss say, how was your vacation? Which felt really, really insensitive at the time because it was very not, very much not a vacation. So that's happened. And the best you can do is, you know, one, you have to adhere to company policy. Like if something happens, like you don't necessarily have to tell everybody that you're working with. I think in general, I've had a situation where I lost a very important family member and I had a coworker like comment on the fact that I was working slower than usual and tell me that like she, like she got that I lost someone but I need to get get it together and to me that was so counterproductive I felt so unsafe in that situation and I also like I regretted sharing the fact that I had that yeah. loss with her because I was still processing it and I, I just I felt very confused in that moment because I was like then I was being self-critical and I was like get it together yeah. you know and that didn't really didn't help with me processing my grief at all so I, I think that it can be really hard when you're going through something super personal but you also have to show up at at work. But I I think that looking back, I had shared that with a coworker who was kind of maybe slightly senior to me, but I'm really on the same team where I think that it would have maybe been more productive for me to go to someone a little bit more senior and share with them what I was going through and just see like what my options were that way. And I think too, and I think you're making a good point and this kind of is like a good connection between my experience and your experience. Like, At the time, these situations feel very like one, you're very vulnerable, you're experiencing something that, you know, is difficult to explain or bring into the workplace. And I think we are taught to compartmentalize like work is supposed to be work and home is supposed to be home. But if there's anything that the last two years has taught us, it's that life bleeds into itself in all different areas. And we're a thousand percent entitled to have these experiences and cannot be expected to be robots. And so to counteract some of these situations that might feel awkward or, you know, in your case, have somebody say something which frankly is inappropriate, like we have to remember that we as employees have rights in the workplace too. Like you have a right to feel protected and safe and like an equal, like you have equal opportunities. Mm -hmm. And so in those situations, I think it's really important to know exactly like this, this sounds very clinical, but like know your manual, like know who your higher up is and, you know, write these situations down. You have to like, sometimes you have to write them down a couple of times to take like the emotion or the ego out of it. But if you can work on being like, this is, you know, the situation that occurred. This is what was said. Like, this made me feel very uncomfortable. You're entitled to have those feelings and share them with your HR or share them with your manager so that you do begin to foster a more safe environment. And I think that that's something that everyone should just be like aware of. And well, and I also think that looking back at that experience, like, I don't think I ever, I don't think I took a day off um, to to just have a moment. And it was a very round the clock kind of job. So I I think that retroactively, I'm like, it probably would have been better for me to actually just sit down and be like, I need a day, 
you know, to do something and have an outlet or spend time with a family member or by myself journaling or in nature, whatever I needed to do to really like let my grief take me for a minute. That would have been more productive than being like, no, I'm not going to even feel this. I'm going to go right back into work and and then have it like, actually be failing at my job. Because I think that employers also, you know, it is hard to have an employee that has like problem after problem after personal problem leave, leaping into their life. Like I know this, I have a family member that has an employee that literally like every week there's something personal coming up. And it's, it is like you, as a person, you feel for them, but you're like, damn, my business is hurting from this. <laughs> you know, I think that if you actually give yourself some space and be like, no, I need a break. I need a day. And maybe that'll help me come back and be able to be a little bit more present at work afterwards, rather than trying to just shove it all under the rug. So I think that kind of touches on some of our work relationships. I'm sure we'll get just more of these as we do more of these conversations. But we also wanted to talk more about complicated relationships within our families, but then also romantic relationships, because we get a lot of questions about first romantic relationships, navigating difficult parts of our relationships. So uh, I think we're going to do a part two of these boundaries and healthy relationships and personal experiences and kind of takeaways on family and romantic relationships next. Which is super exciting because there's so much more to dive into. And I think we'll get more listener questions about this that we can directly address as well. But I think at the, at the end of this episode, the end of the day, whether it's a friendship, a personal relationship, a romantic relationship, I really want to bring it back full circle to really leaning into that confidence and honing in on that confidence and that trust in yourself first, making sure that your relationship with yourself mm -hmm. first feels authentic and true. And that when there are shifts in that, that you're able to really think through those things, whether it's journaling or talking it out or just like getting right with yourself. I think one thing Asha and I can really agree on is that mm -hmm. cultivating that relationship with yourself and getting to know who you are, what your values are, what you want to provide to other people is a really great place to start with any relationship in life. Yeah. When I think that that just that check in of like after you have interaction with anyone, whether it's a professional interaction, a romantic interaction, a friend interaction, whatever it is, checking in with yourself and being like, how did that make me feel? Oh, I felt challenged by this person, but in a good way. They made me think about something in a different way. Or I felt challenged in a way that really like made me feel icky. Or I sounded the way that I was interacting with them was you know, I was saying in a way that doesn't feel like myself, you know, like just kind of observing how you are based on after interacting with other people can really tell you a lot about a whether you need to redirect those relationships or set some boundaries or kind of like find out more about certain things. Or if it's like, uh, you know, I think that is a, a relationship that I really need to invest much in. Maybe it's a, a relationship that's part of my life. Like you can't just be like, nope, I'm not going to interact with my boss but like or my toxic coworker. You can't always like completely draw boundaries like that with everybody. Some people are just in your life. But I think that having that self-awareness of like, okay, like this relationship is one that's like an arm's length relationship or this one is like, wow, that person really like, I've never thought about things that way and I really want to know more and I'd like to be that way. And knowing like this is a relationship I should really um, invest in and put some time into. So, so it's fun. I mean, so much of everything we believe in is our relationships and how communication and confidence builds and fosters those relationships. And this is just a fun episode to do. I love, obviously, I love talking with Kishia. She is yeah. one of those friends that challenges me in ways <laughs> that are really productive, that I admire so many things about her and how she lives and how she balances things in her life. 
she's she's a friend that I want to be more like. So conversations with someone like that in my own life. And I hope that it was um, in some way helpful to our audience. So thank you guys for listening. Yeah, we're excited to put together part two for you all. And um, we'll see you soon. Same time next week. (laughs) Bye. And that's our show. If you liked what you heard today, please like, subscribe to, follow, and share Meet Bridget with your circle. The best way to help our work here is to rate and review our podcast. We're listening and constantly working to build something helpful for you. Catch you next time. Did you have an awesome time? Did you drink awesome shooters and listen to awesome music and then just sit around and soak up each other's awesomeness?